1: MY GOD, NOTHING HAPPENED ON SMACKDOWN! Great way to start a podcast, of course. I am your host, Tempest, and you're sitting in my chair, Luke Owen. Oh, I'm sitting in my
2: chair. It is, there
1: is a anything. hierarchy of chairs, we've decided. I at have this place. to sit in this chair.
2: I've, if I don't sit in this chair, the room doesn't look the same. Yes, but now I have to. My vision is
1: slightly <laughs> askew as I'm leading this SmackDown podcast. Here on the Talk podcast channel, make sure that you give this video a thumbs up. Subscribe if you haven't already. And we are going to get through this SummerSlam go home show even if it didn't
2: feel like one no we were saying before we came in that like the two big things big things on this show which would be like you know the street prophets attacking the tag match and you know celebrating with Bobby Lashley on the ramp and Shotzi uh, attacking Bayley and NES guy aren't things to promote SummerSlam nope. those are things to promote like you know upcoming storylines which is fine but that's also that only kind of works if you're also promoting SummerSlam at the same time, like yeah. there was no big angle to he like I don't I know it doesn't need heating up, but to like the big go home angle for the Roman Reigns Jey Uso match. Roman wasn't on the show Roman's <laughs> on the show there was no big angle for the women's three way it was just three quite pointless, redundant video packages. And I say pointless and redundant because, well, they're just saying the things that they've always said and they've said previously before. So like it didn't add anything to the match that was already there. So the Battle Royal, I suppose, was the only thing that got some build on this. And it's the one match that no one cares about. Everybody
1: gets to pop because LA Knight did a thing. And I'm not going to say that's a bad thing because I will go on this SmackDown podcast every week and sing the praises of LA Knight and say he should be pushed. And he got a win on this show. And we'll get to all of it. But man, to highlight like one thing on this show and have it be the battle royal is. A bit appalling. Yeah, I will say that they did a good job with the video package of the tribal combat stip. That was awesome. That is exactly what I wanted to see. Yeah, out of this, I it's funny. I would have just like taken what they did in this build on this show and put it last week, and I said last week that what they did wasn't revolutionary, wasn't crazy. But at the very least, you had a Jey Uso Roman Reigns face-to-face promo. Yeah, that feels more like a
2: go-home angle than anything we got on this show. I suppose the 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 go-home angle, if you, if you will, was that. Jay has taken out Solo, so Solo likely won't be a factor in the match. They were sort of trying to put that over on commentary, but it didn't really feel like that's what Jay did. He hit him with a chair a couple of times, but it's not like, oh man, there's no way that Solo ain't gonna be at SummerSlam now. Yeah, he didn't get stretchered out. He didn't
1: get pilmanized he Didn't get none of that. He just hit him with a chair a few times. He like chair. kept getting back up. He's like, no, stay down. And if he's getting up from chair
2: shots after 10 seconds, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> he'll be fine. I mean, is this big unit of a man anyway. Yeah. But I suppose, like, maybe, like, should we stick with the, the Jeyusa stuff before I we think get into so. the, the main portion of the show?
1: I think so. Because this show, the big meaty angle, in quotation marks, chunk of this show, was Paul Heyman is in the ring, and... Paul Heyman takes us through the history of tribal combat. He sets up a video package narrated by himself with interviews with Rikishi and the wild Samoans who talk about this has been throughout Samoan culture. Only the tribal chief wears the lei. He wears the lei when he goes into tribal combat and there is one man remaining. It's, it's very well done. It's so awesome. I've wanted the elders, whoever they may be, in this case, Wild Samoans, Rikishi, I've wanted them involved in this storyline, like for months and months and months. And I just thought we weren't gonna get it when they weren't part of Roman Reigns thousand day celebration and everything.
2: Yeah, or like they'll just be at the end of SummerSlam to present the late, yeah. and, and they still might. They, they still might. might do that. Like Rikishi might be there as well. Yeah, but
1: it, it had felt like a lot of tell don't show with like, oh, the elders will do this. The elders have said that. And that's fine, but I would have liked an inclusion and now we've gotten it. So it, it really popped me. And then we go back to the ring after we've wrapped up this very nice video package, and you have Paul Heyman saying that what happened to Jimmy Uso was not the fault of Roman Reigns. It was the fault of Jey Uso because of everything that has happened. But what at SummerSlam happens to Jey Uso is going to be the blame of Roman Reigns. He says, he, he doesn't say it's not a prediction, it's a spoiler, because he's like, I'm not even going to say that. Roman Reigns is just going to kill this fellow. So for all the people keeping track of all the times Paul has said, it's not a prediction, it's a spoiler, and does that mean it's a guarantee he's going to win, and if he doesn't say it, then they're going to lose, that whole thing. I don't know if people still care about that. It's been a while, but... It's been a while. while. <laughs> 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 but that's where he gets cut off by Jey Uso, who comes down to the ring. And he says that he's going to go and he's going to hit Roma with sticks and chairs and he's going he's gonna to put him, the head of the table through a table. And yeah, he likes tables so much, yeah. I'll put him through one. So all of the people pop for that because everybody likes to chant, we want tables. And he gets then interrupted by Solo Sokola, who of course comes down, doesn't say anything, doesn't speak. He comes down and Jay tells him, Solo, you are my brother and therefore I will always forgive you you're being manipulated by Roman and by Heyman the same way that I was. And Paul Heyman starts to say, you really expect Solo to believe this? And Solo just kind of, like, looks at him and stops him in his tracks. He's like, oh, oh, dear. <laughs> Getting the idea that maybe Solo is starting to think for himself. We've seen that the last few weeks where Solo seems to be really interested in Roman Reigns' lay and and that sort. And Paul kind of turns Solo away and says, like, Come here, let's have, a, let's have a little one-to-one, let's have a little chat here. And as they're doing this, Solo gets super kicked by Jay. So that was the segment in the middle here to set up the main event, which came later. That was Jay Uso versus
2: Solo Sokoa. Any thoughts in general on the promo segment? I mean, it was good. It's, it's the usual kind of good stuff you get out of Heyman and Jay, and like, Solo is a great presence. Um, for not saying anything. I think he's like the moment when, you know, he just gives Paul that look to be like, don't talk for me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really, and, you know, Paul then trying to drag him away from the conversation to be like, look, look, we'll, we'll talk about this one-on-one man, trying to manipulate him. I thought, all oh, that stuff's pretty good. It's it's ground we've trodden before, but it is also just planting those seeds for, you know, the the next chapter of this storyline Presumably, when Roman retains tonight, yeah. what comes next? Like, I gave my, you know, some theories on the uh, the SummerSlam prediction uh, podcast we did a couple of days ago. Maybe they'll do a triple threat it, uh payback, even a fatal four way. You know, you do both Uso, Solo, and Roman uh, for the title. Mm-hmm. But I think we are, I don't think Jay's winning tonight. No. Because I, I feel like either. we are setting up Roman versus Solo in a one on one match. And that's kind of what this is for. Like, this is head. It, so, in that way, it's a, a good segment in promoting SummerSlam, but also giving you a tease of here's another match that's going to come afterwards. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of when we had that year of Roman Reigns and
1: Brock Lesnar after SummerSlam 21, where every time Paul Heyman would cut a promo, it would be like, it's not bad because Paul Heyman can't cut a bad promo. Anytime he opens his mouth, he delivers just a. Excellent soliloquy But It does feel like We are hearing The same things And it felt a little bit Like that in this one Where he talked about You know uh, it's on you, Jay. It's not Roman. It's you. You're to blame for all this. It
2: felt a little bit samey, like we've heard it before. Even like a tease of solo, you know, turning around. We have trodden yeah. that path as well. Like it's good to keep that plate spinning, but I actually think a more effective segment would have just been the video package. Yeah, and then you had the the like because they at the start of the show they kind of cut to backstage and there's solo like looking stoically, and there was Jay like walking backstage trying to hype himself up for me i thought those were actually more effective in hyping the main events of J versus solo than mm-hmm. this segment was so you could have just had those two things the video package to explain tribal combat and then the main events and i think I, I don't think this segment achieved much outside of things we've already achieved
1: yeah i i agree and it is a shame that this was kind of the big segment to set up SummerSlam, which is a really big show don't get me wrong but Uh, I only, well, I shouldn't say I only watched SmackDown. I watched every show last week. But (laughs) having watched SmackDown a lot this year, it does feel like we haven't quite made the Roman and Jay match as big as it could have been. This doesn't feel as big as the tag match. No. Like like for, for Money in the Bank. For as much story as has been part of this bloodline deal between Roman and Jay especially, like... I was
2: expecting a lot more character to be involved. I'm glad you said this, because I started to think it was me. Mm -hmm. I I was watching this episode of SmackDown this morning, and I just thought to myself, I was like, why am I not as excited for this and I was like it has to be me because this is like the biggest thing in WWE right now it's probably the biggest storyline in wrestling and has been for some time but I'm not feeling it and I was like it must be me I must be like maybe I haven't had enough coffee maybe I'm just like <laughs> I didn't get enough sleep last night I'm just not quite feeling it so I'm glad that I, I'm not alone in going into this it's not like I'm not excited I like, think it'll be a great match once the bell rings it'll be the most incredible drama because it always is yeah but I went into like the Civil War match at Mind in the Bank hyped beyond all belief. Yeah. Before the bell rang, I don't feel that same level of hype as I did for that, or for the Sammy match, or the Cody match, or you know, I, or the um, even like Kevin and Sammy versus uh, Roman and Solo. Mm-hmm. I just feel I don't know. I feel like this one feels like it's the most I've been like, this will be good, but I'm not like. God, I can't wait for this. You know what I think it is. I don't think
1: anyone thinks Jay can win. Which I and find all so- those other matches yeah, were all like,
0: so.
2: but maybe. And I th- and I find that surprising as well because I really thought that people might be more on Jay. D- this will be the moment that Jay wins. But it's, it's almost since they announced Payback. Mm-hmm. That's been where I was like, oh, well, that's the title. That's the show that he won the belt. He probably ain't winning it at SummerSlam. Right. And I was like, I don't know if that was the moment, but I really thought it would be more of a divided, could it be Roman, could it be Jay? But I was like, I was going through the comments on the predictions video, and everyone was like, that's nah, Roman. Yeah. And you's like, we, you're going through your Wrestle League predictions. You're like, yeah, it's Roman. It it ain't no one else but Roman winning this match. (laughs) It's really wild to me, and I don't
1: want to just harp on this one in particular thing because I feel like we talk about it every single week. But this, to me, is so much of a bigger match without the title because if this was just tribal combat to be the head of the table, I would think Jay would have a really good shot at winning and progressing the story. But because he's still got this albatross of a title around his neck... It's just, well, he's going to hold on to this title until WrestleMania probably and therefore can't lose the big title match. And maybe I'll be shocked. And if I am, I will jump six feet out of my chair, but it won't build the excitement leading into the match for me.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. Like it's I'm I'm looking forward to the match because it's a Roman Reigns match. Yeah, but I'm not. Stoked for the match because of the story going into it, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but I, I still think this will be. as think thing And I wonder if actually that's why I'm not. I don't feel as hyped as I am for SummerSlam this year because, like that, I'm not. I'm not stoked for going into it. I'm so tired of Cody and Brock. Uh, I saw Seth and Finn at the last pay per view. The triple threat. I don't think the build has been very good at all. Should be a great match. Should be, oh, it'll be? But that's the thing as well. Like you know, Seth and Finn. I think they'll have a good match. Yeah. Cody and Brock, They've had two good matches before. They'll have a good match. The triple threat. It's Asuka, Charlotte, and Bel Air. I would be amazed if they managed to have a bad match mm-hmm. because like those three, that it'll be great. I'm just not like frothing at the mouth yeah. for SummerSlam
1: it's, it's wild and it is kind of funny because I think there was a well again I think people thought Roma was going to lose but you look at something like Wrestlemania and a lot of the matches that were on that card especially like the women's matches like Rhea and Charlotte mm-hmm. and stuff and it had horrible builds but hopefully people will look past that and only remember the great matches Sasha Bianca <laughs> yeah I think that is exactly what we could be looking at with this SummerSlam totally, like coming yeah. out of it this could be like pay-per-view of the year The big show WWE has been building to all year. And maybe people will just forget that the build was eh. Yeah. Or as our thumbnail says, meh. Meh. But this does, of course, lead to the main event, that being Jey Uso versus Solo Sokoa. And it's funny to me because both Jey Uso versus Sami Zayn and Jey Uso versus Solo Sokoa, those, like the first time both of those matches have happened, They've just been nothing matches on SmackDown. I'm so surprised. Like
2: when they announced this match, I was like, "Whoa!" We were just yeah. out of the blue, and like they trying to make this big Bleacher Report, uh, you know, revealed yeah. that it was going to be this match to try to make it feel like a big deal. But just kind of announcing out of the blue, it's Jay versus Solo. Mm-hmm. Like, hot oh, dog! That's that should be a big match, that, yeah. and it should feel like a big match. But it sort of didn't when it actually happens, and it was just. It was okay. Like, it was good. Yeah. But then, like, I'm there watching him and, like, well, surely Jay's got to win because he's got the title match tomorrow night. But also, are you just going to beat Solo? The answer to that question was yes. Turns out, yeah. It turns out. They're just going to beat Solo, clean as a sheet in the middle of the ring, just beat him. Just beat him? Yeah. I was shocked. Stunned. For
1: as protected as this man was leading into his first loss against Cody, I thought for sure, like, he's not losing another match until he's challenging Roman or something like that. And it's just now he just kind of is – he's still the enforcer. He's still, a you know, a brick house, but – he does
2: just kind of lose matches now. Got pinned in the tag match at, uh, um, uh, crown jewel, which makes sense because not a champions, but not yes. a champions even you're right. Um, you're not pinning roman there so like that's why yeah. solo was there to take the pin but then uh, for a guy that you've been doing this great job of protecting all of a sudden you're then putting him in a position where it's like well we've got to put him there to take the pin yeah so, okay so all that job all that work was <laughs> did in protecting him just for those but then yeah like cody beat him which makes sense you know that was the ward thing going into wrestlemania and then i was i still thought i still got this idea in my head oh no but he's still is well protected character who doesn't take ra- random losses? But here, just just beat <laughs> just him, beat just him. beat him with like I thought it'd be shenanigans, and, and, and you know an, an F finish something. Nope, just. Hit the spear, hit the splash, pinned him one, two, three.
1: Could have had Paul get involved and accidentally cost him the match to further that be like, you know, stare
2: a hole through Paul at the end of the show. Absolutely. But it felt like Jay picking up the win here was like pinning Grayson Waller. Yeah. Just like oh, I got I got a big win, or it wouldn't be a big win pinning Grayson Waller, I suppose, but I got a win going into SummerSlam.
1: Yeah, I mean this match, like you said, it was fine. There were they they they, they brawled on the outside. Uh, they tried to tear apart the announce table, and they seemed as if Solo was going to hit the spinning Solo through the announce table, and he didn't. Went back in the ring, hit a belly to belly suplex, and. They came back from commercial, and Solo was just holding on to Nerve Hold, my favorite move in all of wrestling.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I <laughs> learned this from Spock. <laughs> the Vulcan neck bench. <laughs> no, 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 stupid. You got it much too high. It's down here with a shoulder. reads the neck. But they just kind of kept going, and then finally Jay hit a spear and a splash and pinned him. That and was that it. was your main event. And they did... I want to say a brawl, but that might be putting it a little bit too too harshly. Really, Solo just kind of like grabbed a chair and Jay took the chair from him, hit him with it like four or five times, sent him over the barricade, hit him with it one last time and stood tall.
2: And that was your go off the air angle for SummerSlam. It, do you know what this show felt like? It felt like it was taped last week. A little bit. Because it, this show felt like... We're going overseas for a show, so we need to tape next week's SmackDown in advance. <laughs> but because you had the Brawling Brutes match that got to yeah. the episode. I was like, "Yeah, that really feels like a taped show uh, thing." Yeah, and then like Alina Zelina Vega, I was like, "Yeah, that feels like a taped show." This main event, yeah, this feels like a taped show, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It was a live <laughs> episode of SmackDown. People of Dayton, Ohio,
1: paid to be there. Yeah, really wild, wild. Yeah. So we kind of went over all of the bloodline bits on this show. And uh, it it, it is funny because I've heard a lot of people this year say that this is Jey Uso's story. Therefore, Jey Uso must win the title. And I've never thought exactly that that was going to happen. But there's definitely been a contingent of fans that have. And meanwhile, you've had some people, including my regular co-host, Sat, sitting in your chair, buddy, keeping it warm for you. Who would go out and say that what happens after SummerSlam? What do you do with Jey Uso, world champion? Who does he face next that's Mm -hmm. not Bloodline-related? Does that continue to hold steam? And it's always been like, "Mm, maybe not. It's the Kofi Mania thing, right? Now you look at it and you just look at this show with no Roman and how... Yeah,
2: everything kind of feels surrounding the bloodline without him. Yeah. I guess, and I think that's kind of always been the problem with the bloodline. You look at that month after WrestleMania when Roman was, like he took his month's yep. break and they were just like, oh, we're just going to do the Usos versus Sammy and Kevin again. We're literally going to tell the exact same story we told going into WrestleMania again and pretend that it's different now. Yep. And I was like, dude, this show, this storyline sucks without Roman. And then Roman came back and all of a sudden became the greatest thing again. But I mean, yeah, I'm watching this show and without Roman, and actually, you know, maybe this is just my, my you know, raw reviewing heart. Without the Judgment Day, like a lot of WWE just feels, eh? It's just, just kind of, a lot of it's just there. And with, yeah, without those two kind of forces on this show, and I, I agree with, you know, Zat's point about, jay and i mentioned kofi mania kofi mania was this incredible moment but there was no follow-up to it and it felt like there was never going to be any follow-up to it and i feel that'd be the same thing if jay won the belt yeah we'll see ultimately it'll
1: come down to the main event of summerslam which you can uh, watch along with us here on the wrestle talk podcast channel later on today with this fine fellow and dan Layton. that's right We're gonna be doing a very fun live
2: reaction for this year's summerslam but I believe dan is bringing in a fridge Because he's going to be making cocktails throughout the night. We're literally going to have the biggest party of the summer with two people in a basement in Hackney.
1: (laughs) Sounds like a party I want to be part of.
2: (laughs) I didn't get an invite to Dan's cocktail party. Join us here on the rest of (laughs) the podcast channel later for that.
1: We're gonna get into the rest of our SmackDown review here. Make sure, of course, again, that you like this video. Subscribe to the WrestleTalk Podcast channel if you haven't already. Ring that bell if you haven't to stay notified. Let us know what you thought of the Bloodline go home angles in the comments down below. In the meantime, however, we started this show with LA Night, so it is a very good thing that they started off this show with a bang because mm-hmm. I don't think it got much more heated than this because he comes out and he cuts a promo and I really like that regardless of how long he has LA Knight gets to cut a promo on Smackdown every week. Yeah. It gives me very big Jericho and WCW kind of vibes where it can be 30 seconds but he just needs to cut a promo on his way to the ring. Maybe he'll have one of the weeks where he gets to talk in the ring a little bit but it gives him that little extra just a little bit of extra sprinkle of time just to be able to get himself over yeah and he's one of the people where if you gave everybody the chance to cut a 30 second promo on the way to the ring most of them would probably be terrible mm-hmm. you know yeah. i don't know how many of the people on the roster what percentage of them would be able to capitalize on something like that
2: but obviously la Knight is one of them oh yeah he's he's so good at this and always has been as well you guys like the eli drake days and this is what got him over like you know you go back to those Eli Drake days and the people who the big Impact fans that were still there for that point that you know mm-hmm. singing the praises of him on forums and stuff I remember like on the figure four forums and stuff people were like he's the only good thing in, in Impact really and everyone was like he just feels like the rock like this feels like a genuine could be the next rock level guy he's just mm-hmm. he's kind of stuck in Impact wrestling but it's great here you know you're 10 years later he's on the main roster in WWE and is absolutely killing it and commentary going out of their way to point out how over like rover this man is Michael Mm -hmm. Cole even said like he feels like a throwback to the attitude era they are driving home hard how over this man is which does fill me with some confidence I said on the those Summerslam prediction show he's got a stench of Zack Ryder about him which is that the fans want to push him but the company doesn't and uh, because they are because it's that way around we want to push him they don't that they often just throw the fans a bone that's why this Battle Royals on the Mm pay-per-view because they haven't given us an LA night win on pay-per-view yeah. So, they're, they're giving us this battle royal to give us an LA night moment. Almost as a way of like, see, we do put, we gave Zack Ryder the US championship. We do listen to the fans. But Luke, this is all about the
1: sponsorship money. It's all about Slim Jim. Could be That's all well. I had to hear on Twitter <laughs> when I suggested moving this battle royal to the pre show. Well, yeah, I have
2: Slim Jim sponsor something else. There's
1: that. <laughs> There's always something else you could There's, do. There's, I mean,. God damn! the 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 intercontinental triple threat at WrestleMania was sponsored by Mike's Hard Lemonade. The Mysterio match was sponsored by a cereal. <laughs> this is <laughs> not on. something that has been uh, new to them. The Mountain Dew match, the, the,
2: the, not the, using that as a positive example, of course. The but. the blood feud between Edge and Balor was there to promote the Nate's Russell Crowe movie. Yeah, like, it, like they do, you know, brand integration for bigger matches, yeah. if you will. So yeah, I, I, I don't think you need to have this battle royal on the show. Plus, particularly because it's kicked off Becky and Trish and and kicked off you know Rhea and Raquel, which I, I think really does suck for them. But it's almost like, I think WWE in that place, with it's a rock and a hard place thing. Because you either, you put on Becky and Trish and Raquel and, and Rhea, but then people are mad at you, they didn't give LA Knight something to do on the show. So you give LA Knight something to do on the show, but you also don't want to do a show that's too long because if you do, people are like, the show is too long. So you have to, like, something has to be taken off the card. In my world, I'd have done the Becky-Trish match, because you've been building it since WrestleMania. So that would be the match I would do, rather than the the Battle Royal. But I also look at it and be like, I get why they made the choice they made. It's just not the choice I would have made. Nope,
1: it wouldn't be the choice that I would make. And, you know... I, I don't have the rundown of their show. I don't know how they've blocked it out thus far, but there aren't that many matches on this show. It's,
2: there's eight, including the battle royal. Yeah, that's not that many. And like Triple H is he's kept it to seven max. Yeah, really. So like this feels like the longest show that he's booked. And that might be the case.
1: And like I don't get me wrong, I've loved the more takeover style where it's like every there are only six seven matches. They all get time, they're all different, that's yeah. great. But, like, you could probably have the Fight Pit match or the MMA Rules match go, like, a few minutes if it's supposed to be a MMA <laughs> Rules thing. You could probably have Logan Paul and Ricochet be, like, nine. Nine, ten, cut eleven. some video packages.
2: Well, d- cut Kid Rock! That's what I was about to say. Cut Kid Rock off the show. Like- Sorry! I, like, I made this joke on the Rest Talk News. It hasn't gone out yet, so I don't know how the joke's <laughs> gone over. But I said, dude hasn't been relevant since 2001. I, I don't know why we're giving time to Kid Rock other than he is from the area. you would have done better putting Insane Clown Posse on the show, if mm-hmm. that's the whole reason you're doing this. Throw some money at Eminem. <laughs> yeah, really. like You know, you know I, 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 like, I, I, Kid Rock, I, I bought Devil Without a Cause, but that was in 1998. Like, I'm not looking forward to sometimes being like, man, I can't wait to hear Kid Rock do his terrible ZZ Top song that he had. Yeah. Which was also, by the way, like 15 years ago. <laughs> it probably 10 years ago or something.
1: Uh, but anyway. Anywho, we got massively off track here. LA Knight won. Yay. Positivity.
2: <laughs> yeah, he beat Sheamus. It was LA yeah. Night versus Sheamus. Like, everyone who's announced for the Battle royal thus far, Yeah, kind of came down, Miz was there. It's uh, turned into a Lumberjack match. Yeah, a little bit, like AJ was out there with uh, Mia Yim, Karrion Cross came down, Grayson Waller was there, who else came out? like uh,
1: Austin Theory jumped Santos Escobar that's at a point, right, yeah. caused that brawl. Because this was just a match at first. It was set up last week, and they were just doing a match. Unfortunately, at one bit, they did have a pretty massive botch where they were going for what appeared to be a superplex or something like that. And instead, they did just kind of slip and fall they off the top rope. fell down. It, it happens. Yep. It sucks. But, like, it, you know, it points off. Has to be. But they get back in the ring, they keep going. Eventually, this leads to everybody and their mother coming down to the ring, and they didn't interfere in the match. Like they didn't throw them back in the ring and actually be lumberjacks. But this was basically a lumberjack match from that point. Yeah, they were all surrounding the ring, and it led to a brawl, which led to the finish, and that's every lumberjack match
2: ever. Yeah, you and, know, and because it's a battle royal promotion, someone gets into the ring afterwards, and then like threw them over the top rope right yep. to the floor.
1: That's how he's gonna <laughs> win the battle royal. Because, yes, Miz gets cocky and he ends up being pulled up onto the uh, onto the apron and Sheamus gives him his clubbering forearms and then turns right around into the BFT. That's the finish. LA Knight wins. Thumbs up for that. And then he threw someone over the top rope. I don't remember who it was. But he then ran into the crowd as, like, Grayson Waller and Carrie and Cross were both like, we're going to get you at the pay-per-view. I was like, why are you two not fighting each other? What, like... Well, they're baddies. Yeah, I guess. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll take that answer. Yeah, I like heels. when heels are just like, when all heels band together are just like, we have bonded by being
3: bad.
2: <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, like it was It was totally fine, uh, I guess. Um, I, I feel sorry for Seamus, particularly because he had that interview this week where he was like, man, all of that momentum I had coming out of Clash of the Castle has been wasted. Mm-hmm. He was very open and honest being like, I had so much organic momentum from Clash of the Castle, and this company absolutely effed it. And I'm now just, uh, I'm just so low down on the card now. Yep. And i, I my uh, Pete kept, saying, oh, Seamus is going to be the guy to dethrone uh, Walter, and I'm like, I think that right is, now he's no, not. I was like, that story is dead and buried. Like he is that story. Like well, they can try, they can just do it again and pretend that they've been, but they have not been doing that story. No. And
1: I'll be perfectly honest, some things uh, didn't change, and it's just how people have been used, but the draft has killed SmackDown. Yeah, really has. It has absolutely obliterated the quality of this show, and maybe that's just what happens when you move Walter from one (laughs) show to the other, but it has left such a gaping hole in this show, and... I can't I can't believe that they moved Seamus and Walter to other brands. That is just incomprehensible to me. But it does kind of cascade throughout the whole show where now, all of a sudden, people who had organic rivalries and were getting over because of a certain thing don't have that thing. And the certain guys that were moved to fill voids, like, I think Edge has been on this show, like, three times since he got drafted.
2: Yeah, he's on as in two weeks' time. He's on two
1: weeks when they're in Toronto, yeah. which is going to be really nice. I've got some friends that are going to that show, oh, and it. it's like, I wish I could be there, but I've seen Edge live a few times now. I saw him at his appreciation night in Toronto when he had retired that year. So like I've seen the Edge celebration, I've seen an Edge main event match live. I'm I'm satisfied. Yeah. Uh for sure. But there's not a lot on this show unfortunately because backstage we then had the brawling brutes and the OC are yelling at each other because they were amongst those scuffling in the brawl and Adam Pierce says to go settle it in the ring and Sheamus and AJ Styles kind of have a tense stare down and I was like ooh that's fun hmm. haven't seen that before that's a fun feud why is AJ Styles feuding with Karrion Cross still and well, he could be doing this. Well, I, I, sh- assuming that you know. ends next week. Oh, I, mean, I thought, thought I it hope. ended like
2: two weeks ago. But... I thought it
1: ended like two months ago. <laughs> and yet they're still going. But this then led to the match, which was the Brawling Brutes and the OC, a match that uh, didn't get much of a reaction, unfortunately. It was fine. Luke Gallows hit a uh, follow away slam, so instantly five stars from me, my favorite move in all of wrestling. And then abruptly, this match ended with a DQ as the Street Profits ran in. And attacked both teams, and they were wearing suits or dress clothes, and they beat both teams up, and they left, and they were kind of mean and snarling and that sort, and they hugged Bobby Lashley up on the stage, and this is the first time we've seen this trio in action, Mm -hmm. other than just being shown, you know, showing Angelo Dawkins how to dress backstage and segments like that. So this is very exciting. Yeah, I like this trio a lot. Street Profits haven't done a thing since they moved to SmackDown. Bobby Lashley hasn't done a thing since he moved to SmackDown. All three of these guys are fantastic, and I want to see them do more. And now, hopefully, we'll have some sort of direction for all three of them.
2: be curious to see as well whether they're presented as babyfaces or heels, because they were kind of presented as heels in this uh, segment. But when Bobby Lashley came out, it felt like one of the most the biggest baby face on the show. The crowd erupted into yeah. Bobby Chance.
1: People were really hyped to see the Street Profits. And maybe that's because we haven't seen them in a while. Maybe it's just because like they didn't really care to cheer either of the other two teams and thus like a, a star team showed up maybe they're just really digging this Bobby Lashley pairing. Either way, I think it's a
2: really good start to whatever they're doing here. This is also Carl uh, Anderson's second match in two weeks. He must be furious. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get, get paid to work around here. Yeah. I'm not coming to TV. <laughs> this was
1: the uh, next up we had the first of the three short vignettes from the, uh, the women's triple threat participants, this first one was Charlotte Flair. She sat on a yacht. She's on a boat. She's on a boat. And she says that she's the queen and she's going to win the title and be a 15-time champion. It's every Charlotte yeah, yeah. promo you've ever heard in your life. Only this time, it was on a boat. It was on a boat.
2: She's on a boat.
1: <laughs> a gold boat. <laughs> <A> gold boat. <laughs> This was then when we had the uh, Paul Heyman and Solskjaer and Jay Uso thing that we talked about earlier, and then we had Austin Theory backstage saying that he was going to dedicate his match with Santos Escobar to Rey Mysterio, because look, look Santos, look what you did to your mentor, because Rey Mysterio suffered whiplash last week, I believe hmm. is what they said on commentary, this then led to a entirely heatless match between Austin Theory and Cameron Grimes.
2: I, I, my first notes I wrote down was, uh, Kayla interviews Austin Theory, I forgot he was the US champ, and then Austin Theory took on Cameron Grimes. Like, I also forgot that Cameron Grimes was on the main roster.
1: Yeah, it's sure easy to forget that right now. I do not believe what they have done to my boy. He's no, just- my boy! <laughs> <laughs> what? Like He's just... He's not even a guy, Nope. he's a body on the roster. He has been reduced to the most generic
2: version of himself. Yeah. Felt, if, this felt like an NXT appearance as opposed to someone who was part of the main roster of SmackDown having a match with the United States champion.
1: Yeah, it's like back in uh, like the, the full-sale days where every once in a while you'd get somebody where if you were a real yeah. hardcore fan, you might go like, oh, I know that person, but they wouldn't be given any sort of fanfare leading in. Yeah, yeah. Like a James like, Storm. <laughs> yeah, like a James Storm or even lower than that. Like it, it, when Kimberly showed up yeah, yeah. and she just like she was kind of an enhancement Talent where they would have like a semi competitive match and then lose, but they were never presented as like, This is Kimberly, Princess Kimberly from you know, all these different promotions, world travel performer, such and such. They're just like, Oh, this is a person they're gonna wrestle and then they're gonna lose and you'll forget. But I've seen Cameron Grimes be one of the most charismatic characters on NXT for a long time, and I know that they were like trimming that character while he was in NXT, which I didn't understand then either. But, man, like, you cannot bring this man up to the main roster. Pair him with Baron Corbin for, like, a month, then do nothing with him afterwards, and then put him in a match where
2: he takes 95% of the match, then gets hit with a finish and loses. So he hits the cave-in, because Santos Escobar comes out. So he hits the cave-in immediately and has the match won, but rolls Theory into the ropes, yeah. so Theory uh, gets a rope break, which Theory didn't do. Like, that was Cameron Grimes made a mistake by rolling him into it, and then he just beat the piss out of Austin Theory around the ring and in the ring, and Austin Theory hit a desperation finish and got the win. And they were like, man, Austin Theory survived that. And I'm like, he's he's the champion. Why is he like, why does he suck so bad? And this guy over here got hit with one move and and got pinned.
1: It's... I thought that they were going to do the U.S. title match on this show, like as a preview SummerSlam match. They they do that sometimes. And they had Santos beat Austin Theory clean as a sheet in a non-title match two weeks ago. And then he's just out there just beating guys again. Like that didn't happen. And that was just part of the feud, as if that's a thing that you do with your champion. Yep. I don't want to blow a gasket about Austin Theory on every single one of these shows, <laughs> but I am losing my mind a little bit. Yeah. It's it's absolutely maddening. And I thought when he hit that like flash cave in, I was like, oh my God, he's gonna this beat gonna him be in 10 him. seconds. Yeah. And they'll do a triple threat match or something like that. And maybe this will be the start of Cameron Grimes at least being a good hand in a triple threat match, making a match maybe a little bit better than it would have been. But no, this nope. was just another infuriating match.
2: Speaking of guys that are just like, I do not get the appeal of, because well, I'm I'm reference to Austin Theory. There was someone in the uh, the comments on the, the SummerSlam predictions that were really mad at us for not liking Austin Theory. And I would say I've been like, I don't get the appeal of Austin Theory at all. Like, I do not get the appeal of Grayson Waller. Like, good talker, Sure. But he I, has a certain presence about him. I, I mean, he's got but, nice shirts, but he just—I—I I, I described him on the three count once as SmackDown's Miz, yeah. and like that's—that's that's all I see in this dude. It's just SmackDown's Miz, and he's just a guy.
1: It doesn't help. See, when he was wrestling in NXT and he had, like, his douchebag style actually worked with his in-ring style, yeah. and he's a little bit more interesting in-ring than someone like Miz, I was seeing then what set them apart,
2: but now he's just doing Miz TV every week. It's the, He's the same character as the Miz. Yeah. Like, really, it's just the same character. Like, yeah. this is Control-C, Control-V. Well, talk about Control. Who was his... <laughs> uh, his uh, a partner or
1: his uh, guest on his show, but Damage Control. Yeah, This followed, of course, Asuka's back or vignette thing where she just said, she's got a plan. No one's ready for Asuka. These are the same things we've seen people say a million times. But Damage Control is on the Grayson Waller effect, and uh, I said in my review that I think my biggest pet peeve in all of wrestling is just heel talk show segments now. <laughs> yeah. I've been I could do without we, them. We have moved past the need for a heel talk show segment. I don't care if it was Happy Talk, if it's Ms. TV, if it's the Grayson Waller effect. Ding dong hello. Ding dong hello. I don't care how over you are. If you are not Kevin Owens with your comedic timing, I don't need to see it. It advances. Nothing, because you can get the same out of these things with just a promo segment. And, yeah, you get to maybe dress up the ring a little bit and make it feel different. Maybe someone will click on it on YouTube or something. But for goodness sake, they go into the ring here, and Waller's question is, EO, are you going to cash in at SummerSlam? And they're like, we're not going to tell you. That's it. That's it. That's the second. This
2: got no reaction. Like, Bailey talked over Io, so, you know, more of, like, the seeds are there. But They've been planting these seeds. But, uh, well, I was going to say, I, I can't say they're planting seeds, because the seeds are already planted. They're, they're watering they're, they're the watering seeds. watering them. But they look at them and be like, this thing isn't growing. Oh. <laughs> Why isn't this growing yet? But, like, yeah. this was getting no reaction. And then they tried to do this fake ruse thing, which they'd also done on Ms. TV a handful of weeks ago, where Grayson Waller played Shotzi's laugh over the speakers BAILEY and Bailey cacked her pants, and, and then they were like, I was like, ha, huh, I fooled you. And then Shotzi's music played and the tank came in and is like, this isn't me. Crikey. And, <laughs> and, and like this, like nothing was getting over in this segment. The crowd were just like dead as a doornail for it. Yeah. And then, the, the st- okay, if I may blow a gasket, I'm not going to blow a gasket over this, but may I highlight just how bad the staging of this was? Please. Because the gimmick of this was that Shotzi, Shotzi comes out on the ramp in the tank and Bailey sends Io out of the ring to go and get the tank. So Eo gets out of the ring, and she stands there, and she stares at this tank, and she's like, ooh, I'm gonna get you, tank. I'm gonna get you, Shotzi, on the tank. Because, in the ring, Shotzi's now got Bailey on her own, and she's got some clippers. And the big question is, why didn't Eo just turn around and be like, there's Shotzi? I can now back up my girl. Because they're just standing in the ring for ages. Well, I was like, what happened to Eo? Is she just standing there staring at the tank? What 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 is this segment? And then Shotzi gets out some clippers and they play audio of clipper sounds over the loudspeakers, just going, it's like a lawnmower. Brr! I was like, this is so stupid and childish. And I feel like in idiot for watching it and then that was it and then it turns out it was Vega in the tank, and then Vega beats Eo Sky. And why does Vega beat Eo Sky? I'll tell you why. Because eosky has got the briefcase, and it doesn't matter apparently, because uh-huh. you just beat the person who's got the briefcase. Because they're doing it to Damian Priest as well. Priest is getting pinned left, right, and center, and he was doing it in the lead up to Money in the Bank. Because he argues, well, he's going to win Money in the Bank. It doesn't matter if we beat him beforehand. Now he's got the briefcase. Doesn't matter if we beat him. He's got the briefcase. Same thing with Sky. Just beat her and beat her and beat her. Doesn't matter. She's got the briefcase. She'll cash in and win the title. And all of it's forgotten and wins and losses don't matter. And I hate that. You know, I think the people who write the show are dumb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Certainly in this segment.
2: You know? I, I go, the, com- the combination of the two things. I didn't like much of this at all.
1: No, I didn't either. I didn't understand why Zelina Vega was helping Shotzi. They've never had anything to do with one another. And I understand that Zelina was EO's was opponent on this show, but this didn't... Give her an advantage over you in any way. It was just, okay, they're working together. Maybe they both have tam- tag team amnesia as well. Yeah. The horror of it all. And yeah, they just had a match. And at some point, Shotzi kind of like throws Bailey back through the curtain, stumbles out onto the stage, and she's like, oh, I'm going to cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> such a loud noise and it distracts eo enough for zelina to hit a power bomb where eo had been on the top rope she hits a power bomb eo kind of rolls through and zelina hits the code red and pins her and i just said that i think my biggest pet peeve is heel talk show segments i lied it's actually when they just
2: beat money in the bank holders yeah well the thing is tempest they just gotta win the title so it doesn't matter how much you beat them beforehand (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> They're just stupid. we are just it's, stupid and wrong. It's such a st- it's a backwards mindset. I, that how they have- did they
1: ever come to that conclusion that beating the person who's about to be the big star is?
2: an acceptable booking philosophy. I have no idea. Remember that Road Dogg interview where he Um. was talking about wins and losses don't matter and then talked himself into saying that wins and losses do matter? Yep, I sure do. (laughs) It's so funny because that is the WWE mindset. They've convinced themselves that wins and losses don't matter. But in explaining it, explain how wins and losses do matter. All of their brains have melted. Oh, yeah. It's been boiled. Like Triple H, for all the good that Triple H has done, he is still WWE Triple H, who has had all of the bad habits of WWE boiled within his brain. And just people, and like they just convince themselves that this makes sense and we're right and the fans are wrong and it doesn't matter what we think. You just beat the person who's got the briefcase. It doesn't matter because they're going to win the title and no one will remember. Yeah. What we need to do is
1: someone needs to, like, grab Triple H and tie him to a chair like clockwork, Orange style, with his eyeballs, <laughs> like his eyelids taped open, and just sit him there and make him watch on loop, like eighty-six Crockett, <laughs> over and over and over again, until yeah. he's been lobotomized and removed all of the bad booking uh, habits that he's developed over here in it's, WWE. It's bad. You pick
2: up a lot of bad habits, I guess. If you've been in the company for you know the thirty odd years that he's been. Yeah, you, know, you got to pick up some bad habits along the way because he did this in NXT as well. Yeah, like it's, it, the bad habits were in NXT for all the good in NXT. There was also a lot of main roster bat in there. There sure was. And it may
1: sound like we hated this show, and maybe I did, <laughs> turns out. Um, I didn't hate it watching it, but no. afterwards, uh, when you start with the Battle Royal thing and you're like, that was a really fun start to the show, and then you realize, no, that was the peak. Yeah. Then it's like, mm, maybe not. Because, yeah, uh, yeah, the only other thing on this show is Bianca tells us that she's going to remind us all who she is at SummerSlam. She's going to win. She doesn't care if it's a triple threat. She's going to win the title back.
2: Yeah. It's kind of just a nothing show. Yeah. And I I sung the praises of Triple H on Raw when I was like, oh, the go-home shows is not the best weapon in a Triple H booking arsenal. Like, he just doesn't do go-home shows. But Monday's Raw genuinely felt like a go-home show. Mm-hmm. This felt like we are trying to build stuff for SummerSlam. Nope, this episode did not feel like it was building towards the second biggest show of the year. No, This just felt like, uh... I I said earlier, a taped episode of SmackDown because they're going overseas for a tour. Yeah. This was a a nothing happening episode of SmackDown.
1: It sure was. And it is a shame. It is a damn shame because uh, I would like to be as excited as possible for uh, this here episode of of SummerSlam. Sure. This edition of (laughs) SummerSlam. But um, I'm sure it'll be a good show. I'm looking forward to matches. Walter and Drew McIntyre are gonna have a five star match, probably. It'll be awesome. It'll be incredible. That's the match I'm
2: looking forward to.
1: That's the match I'm super stoked for because that match is gonna
2: hum. Yeah,
1: there's a lot to look forward to, but my God, if this <laughs> SmackDown did not remind you of that, that's pretty much it though. So we do not currently have any podcast shoutouts. Those will be returning next week. So stay tuned if you have paid for uh, for. I lost my train of thought. If you have paid your $25 and above tier over on patreon.com forward slash Talk to get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this, stay tuned next week as we will begin our August edition of all of our Patreon names. In the meantime, Luke, thank you so much for joining me on it's this year's SmackDown. It's been a
2: pleasure. Uh, I like doing podcasts with you a lot.
1: I quite like doing podcasts it's, with you. It's <laughs> nice to not be the one blowing a
2: gasket <laughs> for a change on the show. It's fun, right? Yeah. Like I I, I really enjoy doing a, a podcast with you. And it was fun to talk about SmackDown and stuff. So thank you very much for having me on the episode today. Well,
1: thank you very much. I don't think we've ever done a SmackDown podcast we've before. We've not,
2: no. You and I have done Raw. We've done AEW. But this is, our, I think it's our first Smack, It's Certainly in person. We might yeah. have done it during the pandemic era. During yeah. the Thunderdome.
1: back when no one had anything to do on a Saturday (laughs) well thank you very much for watching this edition of the Smackdown Review podcast make sure of course again that you like this video if you haven't already subscribe to the WrestleTalk podcast channel help get us to 80,000 subscribers and make sure that you get the big old ring the bell ring the bell so you can be notified later on today when our SummerSlam live reactions go live the biggest cocktail party of the summer with Dan Layton and this man right here Luco and I've been Tempest your host And that was SmackDown. Jam that jam.
3: So,
0: you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out